Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Rob Oblinas. If you've been with us at all in the last few months, uh, you will know that I am not the one who is regularly up here at this time in our service. Uh, I am an elder in our church and also worship leader, and so uh, typically I'm up here on Sunday morning doing other things. Um, if you're new with us, welcome. We are so glad that you are here, uh, and I hope that you uh, benefit by being here this morning. Um, but know that we have a lead pastor. His name is Ben Rule. And for those of you that don't know, Ben and his wife Olivia, and that little baby Davy, their daughter, cute little baby Davy, uh, were in Colorado with family and now are traveling uh, road trip style up to Chicago, where uh, they will continue to be with family, but I will also be attending the uh, National Conference for the Evangelical Free Church of America. So a uh, little family vacation and then continued into some family time, but also uh, representing us uh, along with some of the other pastors from our other multi-sites uh, in Barrington and Dover and Summersworth uh, at that conference. So we're very excited for him and very excited to hear what is all going on when he comes back. Uh, so welcome this morning. We're so glad that you are here. Um, as Ben mentioned before, um, I want to continue to reiterate who we are as a church uh, so that everyone who is here knows. Um, we are at Be Free Community Church and all a Christ-centered family that seeks to glorify God by loving him, loving others, and making disciples. Uh, and in doing so, uh, we try as best as we can to uh, teach truth from God's word each week. Uh, and over the last few months, Ben has been walking through the Gospel of John. And I hope that you have benefited from that and enjoyed that as much as I have uh, over, over these uh, number of weeks. And last week, we were in John 10. Uh, and uh, Ben walked us through the fact that Jesus and God the Father are one. Uh, and it ended with Jesus, uh, again, escaping the Jewish leaders and crossing the Jordan uh, the River Jordan, east of Jerusalem. Um, but today, Jesus is actually going to head back to where he was, into Judea, towards Jerusalem, and his purpose is going to be to save his friend Lazarus. Uh, read with me, if you would, John 11, starting in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill... He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. 
The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Will you pray with me this morning? God, we read from your word incredible, miraculous things. And we are grateful. God, we see that you care deeply for your people, for us whom you've created. God, I ask that as we consider this this morning, 
that anything that is said would, that is not from you would just wipe away. And everything that is from you, God, would go right down to our heads and our hearts, to our whole being. That we might consider you closer and more intimate than before. And that we might remember how powerful you are over sin and death. We give you glory and honor, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, so what do we see here? Um, it's a lot. Whew, it's a lot going on. So I'm just going to do this real quick, and then we'll jump in. Um, Jesus hears that Lazarus is ill, um, and what Jesus says about that illness tells us the purpose of what he's about to do next. If you look in verse four. Says, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So Jesus gives us his purpose, and, and then he does something very interesting. He waits. He hears that his friend is ill, and he waits. And that may seem odd to us if we've been following along with the story of Jesus throughout the book of John. Um, we know that Jesus can heal. He has healed people. Blindness, lameness, sickness. And so we would pause to think, well, if, if Jesus is really Lazarus' friend, wouldn't he go right now? But no, he waits. Then he says, let's go. Um, now the disciples, um, they have sort of this interesting perspective because just before we read in chapter 10 that Jesus escaped the Jewish leaders who wanted to arrest him. Before that, they wanted to stone him. Before that, they plotted to kill him. And so we know that he is up against these Jewish leaders and that if he goes there, he's in danger. And so his disciples remind him of this fact. Whoa, 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 whoa. slow down, Jesus. If you go, they're going to kill you. Jesus reminds them of something that he keeps telling them over and over again. And before in John uh, 8, uh, verse 12, he says that I am the light of the world. And then he makes reference to that here uh, in verse 9. He says, anyone that walks in the day does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. And so Jesus, in full confidence, heads back into Judea. And then he gets there. And the unthinkable happens. Martha comes out to him and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so Martha is thinking about, just like we might have been, of all these things that Jesus has done up to this point. Where he's healed people of their blindness, lameness, and sickness. And she knows that if Jesus had been here and spoken a word that her brother would not have died, that he would have been freed from his illness. And, and, and Jesus says something interesting to her. He says, your brother will rise again. And, and Martha says, yes, I know. He'll rise with, again, in the resurrection on the last day. And so we see that Martha is still and, and others along with her, they see Jesus almost rightly, but 
there's still a little bit of separation between Jesus and, and God, right? Because Martha, we see here, definitely believes in a resurrection day. That God who created the world will raise those who believe in him on that day. But she doesn't have full faith and understanding of what Jesus or who Jesus is. Because she still thinks, oh, if you were here, then my brother wouldn't have died. And so Jesus corrects her. In verses uh, 25 through 27, we see this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And then she says to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. See, this statement that Jesus makes is not just some tertiary statement. um, and And it's not just a fact about who he is. We've seen that the use of this phrase, I am, throughout the book of John, is, is foundational to faith in God. That the God of the Old Testament said, I am, period. And so when Jesus says, I am the resurrection, he continues to reaffirm and connect for, uh, for Martha here that he is God. That there is no separation between God the Father and God the Son. And so he says, do you believe? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe. And then we get a repetition of this event. And so um, Mary comes out and uh, says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have So she, too, is thinking, yep, I've seen all that you have done, Jesus, and I know what you're capable of, and all that is here in the here and now. And then the Jews who were there reaffirmed the same thing. They said, we have seen the works that Jesus has done. Right? They say, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? In verse 37. You see, what these people are working under and their misconception, because they live in a world where where if we look just at this world, it is true, is that death still has the final say. Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You could have saved him from his illness. You could have healed him from his blindness. You could have taken his lameness and made him walk. But unfortunately, right now, death has the final say. You can't do anything about it now because he's dead. And then in verse 35, we see the heart of God. We have such a window into this short two-word verse. And it says that Jesus wept. He was deeply moved. He saw that they were greatly troubled. And he wept. And this allows us to know and how we can say as a church, as we've said in the past, that Jesus has experienced all that we have experienced and all that we deal with as his people. And that he understands. That even though 
He has no sin, and he lived the perfect life. He understands everything that we go through and everything we experience. And he saw the world through their eyes. He saw that they, they couldn't have victory over death, that death still had a final say in their lives. And he was moved to weep. Death, even now in our lives, if, if we are honest with ourselves, still feels like it steals so much from us as people. And, and when you think about it, um, I, I ask myself the question, all right, when do, when do I cry? And if you ask my family, they would go, all the time, Dad. Yes, that's true. But what is it that, that I typically am moved by? Um, well, to, to steal a famous quote um, in a very different context, I typically cry when death is on the line. I heard you. I knew you'd get that. When death is on the line, that's when I typically break down. I mean, other stuff, I get frustrated, I might get sad, I might get angry, embarrassed for other people or for myself. But it's when death rears its ugly head that I break down. Because this world has no answer. That's why I cry when a close friend loses her husband and is left to raise two small children. It's why I cry when a little guy who beats cancer gets the golden buzzer on America's Got Talent. It's why I cry when John Stewart goes before Congress and tries to secure funds for, for firefighters of 9-11 so that they won't keep dying from their injuries. And to be honest, it's why I cried at Avengers Endgame. And some of those may sound silly, and yes, it, it, it does seem funny, and if you picture me <laughs> sitting at my desk at work and scrolling through Facebook and crying like a baby, yes, that's a chuckle for sure. But why are we so moved by things like that, whether fictional or non-fictional? It's because in all of those stories, no one, not one, real or fictional, has an answer for death. Death still comes, and it still steals things that we cherish. And everyone in John chapter 11 had no answer for death. We see it in their words. We see it in their response to Jesus. No one except Jesus himself. It's why he wept. Because he knew that they saw that death had sting. And he knew he had the answer. And so what happens next? Uh, you know, I think sometimes we read the story. We, we, ben actually taught this story at Easter. And I was like, thanks a lot, pal. Now i got to do a repeat. And in hearing the story over and over again, we might become a little, I don't know, uh, what's the word, um, comfortable. <laughs> Thanks, Ben, anyway. A little comfortable with what happens here, right? Oh, right, yes, Lazarus. I know the story of Lazarus, you know, as I was sharing with people, oh, chapter 11, even people who don't go to church, chapter 11 and Jesus' friend, Lazarus. oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I know that story. 
but you have to totally understand what happens here. Jesus raises a man from the dead. Nowhere in our history has that ever happened. And nowhere will it since, except through Jesus Christ. And so Lazarus literally gets up and walks out of the grave. I mean, think of the people that you have lost in your life. Think of the people that you've had to go and mourn. Think of the, the, the events and gatherings that you've had to attend because people have taken their life. Don't you wish that someone had come along and made that all right? I do. And Jesus does. He literally raises a man from the dead. He was dead. I don't know how else to say it. And Lazarus got up and he walked out of that tomb. The power of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus, God here on earth, gave Lazarus back his life. All right, so that's what happened. The question we have to ask ourselves now is, so what? What does that mean for us? Well, if we've been paying attention, and I'm sure you have, Jesus actually tells us. So, so let's let him tell us rather than me tell you. In verse 40, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Martha ran out, and this is what Jesus said to her. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And in verse 42, I know, uh, excuse me, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. See, Right before Jesus calls Lazarus out, he says this, right? Father, I know and I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. <clears throat> um, I'll, I'll kind of bunch that into this one statement here. Right? So what? So Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. So what? So this. Belief in Jesus brings life to us and glory to God. Belief in Jesus brings life to us and glory to God. And is, and is that something that I just sort of pulled out of thin air? No, I don't think so. We see in verse 40 and verse 42 that Jesus wanted the people to believe. He wanted Martha to believe. He wanted the people standing there to believe. To believe that he was not just a man on earth sent by God, but that he was God himself who had victory over death. And if we turn back just a few pages in John 5 verse 24, Jesus has said this already. John 5, verse 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. This miracle of Jesus 
raising Lazarus from the dead demonstrates the eternal truth about Jesus. That whoever believes in Jesus as God the Son is given life. Death is defeated. It no longer has a say. We sang it this morning. Death, where is your sting? Our God is alive. He's not dead. He has defeated death. Period. And so belief in Jesus brings us life. Here and now and for all eternity. Well, okay, so we are saved from death, right? And I said belief in God brings us life and glory to God. So what about the glory to God part? Well, God saving his people, which brings glory to him, is, is something that people of God have believed in for thousands of years. Right? That, that, wasn't, that wasn't new to them at all. Um, in Psalm 21, a psalm of David, uh, a psalm of David, we see this. Psalm 21, verses 1 through 5. O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices, and in your salvation how greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold on his head. He asked life of you, and you gave it to him. Length of his of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him. And so, in raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus is showing his victory over death. And it would be one thing if it was just for Lazarus. For us, here and now, we'd read this story and be like, whew, good for Lazarus. Wow, that, that was awesome for those Jewish people there. Man, I wish those, the, the ceremonies that I go to where we have to mourn someone, someone would come along and raise this person from the dead because I don't want to live without them. And that's where we would leave it. That's where we would have to leave it. But Jesus didn't do this just for Lazarus. He did this to point to the work that he would do on the cross. His death. And death in the grave after three days in which he would be raised to new life. Through the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And so the thing that Jesus did for Lazarus, he goes on to do for all of us. It is a foreshadow. It is a pointing. In all of these works that Jesus has done, healing blind men, taking away lameness, taking away sickness, and now bringing back someone from the dead, he's pointing to who he is and who God is and what God has done for us. When we believe in Jesus' death and resurrection, we are given life. And, you know, I want to keep coming back to Scripture. I want to let Scripture interpret Scripture. I want to let God tell us this and not just me. We've heard this. Maybe you've picked up, maybe this is bing, oh, I've heard this before. Because we've read this multiple times this morning, and I'm going to read it again. Romans 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead 
will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And that belief brings glory to God. When we put our belief in Jesus Christ and his victory over death, we have to admit that we couldn't do that. And when we admit that we couldn't do that, glory to God is brought in that belief. We couldn't do it. And so we say to God, we say to Jesus, yes, I believe that you have victory over death through your death and resurrection. And I couldn't do that. But by my belief in that work, I am made new and I bring glory to God. Um, so now what? <laughs> uh, we saw what happened. And we know from what Jesus has said here and in other places that it wasn't just Lazarus that he was planning to raise from the dead. He saved us all. But what do we do with that? That's the heaviest thing you can get, right? Life and death. And so how do we respond? Well, as we see in verses 45 and 46, there are two options. And they're pretty simple. We believe in Jesus or we don't. So, uh, and read them for you. Um, verse 5, 45 and 46. We see that the people who were there, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And so we have two options. We can believe what Jesus did and that he is God as son, and that in dying and being raised to new life, our belief in him brings us life. Or we don't. So if you're here this morning, and you have not put your faith in Jesus, if, if, you're, if you're in the place where you're like, I just can't, I can't bring myself to think that that's possible. I look around me and I see all this death. And I see people hurting. And I just don't know if it's true. I encourage you to think about that. I encourage you to continue to ask those questions. I would hope that you would believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And that even though we live in a world where circumstances are hard. And we, we, we still die. You would know that. The hope through Jesus Christ is that we would be raised to new life through that belief. And so I, I encourage you to continue to think about whether or not this is true and whether or not you will believe who Jesus says he is. And if you want to talk to me about that, I would love that. If you know someone here um, who has put their faith in Jesus and believes in Jesus, then talk to them. But continue to flesh that out. It is the choice between life and death. Uh, the flip side of the coin is that we have put, we're sitting here this morning, 
We put our faith in God who raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, who he uh, who himself died on the cross and was raised to new life through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know this to be true, and, and you live your life as a follower of Jesus. Does that mean that this passage isn't for you? That this was, was only a, a foreshadow of what was to come, and I've put my faith, great, okay, check. Well, certainly not. Um, I'll bring you back one last time to what Jesus says right at the very beginning, right when we started out. Jesus says, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. See, our lives, when we put our faith in Jesus, should then continue to reflect and bring glory to God as a result. It's what Jesus intends. Um, at the very beginning of our time, and uh, very this morning, in the beginning of our time here in teaching, um, we talked about our vision statement as a church. And I love how Ben Cain put it. It's, it's the boil down to you can do more, but you can't do less. And this is it. We are a Christ-centered family that seeks to glorify God by loving him, loving others, and making disciples. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we put Christ at the center, and as a result, we become family. We become brothers and sisters in God's family. And so if you've done that first part, if you believe in Jesus, who he is, and have been given new life, well, then we should continue to do the other things, right? Which is to glorify God. And how do we do that? By loving him, loving others, and making disciples. Um, this is where, um, and, and so I guess the question is how? How do we do that, right? Loving God, loving others, making disciples. Those are good statements, but how do we do that? Um, well, I'm going to, to take the time to make a shameless plug for our church. Uh, as Ben has said over the last few weeks, we're going to provide an opportunity here starting on June 30th to talk about evangelism. To, to ask the question, how do we live our lives so that, that others come to believe in this good news that we've heard about this morning of Jesus Christ and bring glory to God through doing so? Well, here on Sunday morning, starting in two weeks, we're going to do that. We're going to look at that together. We're going to do it for four weeks till July 21st. And so I hope you'll join us. We're going to do it right before the service, 8.15 and 9.15. And, and that would be an immediate response to Jesus' message this morning. Right? And, and not, we're not gaining anything out of this. Right? Our vision says that we want to be a Christ-centered family to love God, love others, and, and make disciples. And so we're trying to do that. We want to offer opportunities to do that for us as a forever family. And so I encourage you, I hope that you will join us in doing that together. But if you can't join us, that's okay, right? There'll be other opportunities. But I would encourage you to think about this um, in other ways this week, right? Remember that God has brought you into life and and that our life in doing so should bring glory to him. And so just 
maybe that's joining a group in town that you've been thinking about joining so that others will know that you believe in Jesus and that brings glory to God. Uh, if you have young kids at school, maybe it's carving out in your schedule so that you can pick them up even just once a week so that you can meet others. Because when you love other children and their parents in the name of Jesus, that brings glory to God. Um, maybe it's sharing with a trusted brother or sister that there's something in your life that still reflects that sin and death. And that you share with them that you want to choose life, the life of Christ, and bring glory to God. And they can help you walk in that life and be free of that sin. I don't know. Those are just a couple of instances. I can't run all the scenarios. I can't answer all of those questions for you. But I know this. You'll have to spend time. After looking at this this week, you have to spend time thinking about how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. How he was himself put to death and resurrected from the grave. And when we believe this to be true, we, were, we are brought into life ourselves and bring glory to God through our belief. Will you pray with me? God, we come before you this morning after hearing this good news that you have victory over death. That you, Jesus, have the power over death here and now. You raised Lazarus to life. And then in dying on the cross and being raised to new life yourself, you offer that to all of us. Victory over death. I pray, God, that as we go from here this week, you would help us to either make that decision to believe in that truth or if we have believed in that truth already that you would continue to help us know what that looks like to live it out, to bring you glory so that others may know this good news that they too may put their faith and belief in a God who loves us so much and has power over death and that Glory would be brought to you as a result. We love you and we thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.